we come here all for the same thing. And this is what a lot of people come to me with complications in terms of how they wrap themselves up. Um, they get fed this notion because it's very romanticized. You're here to help the world. It sounds so useful and it sounds so validating and it sounds so right, but it's the furthest thing from the truth. You don't need to help the world. What you're meant to do is to come here to remember who you are. And in remembering who you are, you become more of what we call love, which because love is everything connection, which is really what the soul is. Love, soul, interchangeable as a concept. When you become more of the soul, you become love. I believe that love is all around us. Love is everything and everywhere. I am love. You are love. We are all love. In our divinity, in our soul, in the truest and simplest form of our being, we are pure, unconditional love. Love is the answer to everything. Every week in this podcast, we're talking to incredible and beautiful people who will be sharing their insights and perspectives to help you find more peace, to help you come from a place of love more often, to help encourage you to be kinder to yourself and others, to help you create more happiness in your life, to help you feel more oneness with others, and to help you connect to your higher self. My name is Justin Court. Together, we will help shift the collective consciousness of the planet to be more loving, kind, peaceful, happy, empathetic, understanding and accepting. This can only be achieved together. It starts with each and every one of us. We are one and it's time we start acting that way. I am so, so grateful that you're here. I love you. I support you and I'm here for you. Let's together create more love in this world. Let's do this. I'm so excited to share with you one of my favorite conversations I've had on the podcast so far. Todd Savis is a sage and spiritual teacher. In this episode, we go deep into spirit, gratitude, living limitlessly, being in awe, ego, our expansion, physical density, being in a higher frequency, and much more. Todd also walks me through an exercise he does with every client, which you can take part in, to help bring you more in connection or in awareness with your soul. I love how Todd speaks with such clarity, simplicity, and ease when talking about these very complex existential topics. He's amazing at making it understandable and easily digestible for anyone listening. All right. Well, Todd, I want to welcome you to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me on. Of course, man. Uh, I want to get things started off in a, in a sense of gratitude. So I, I have a huge gratitude practice. I'm a massive fan of it. Uh, so I want to just start off today and ask you, what is something uh, that you are grateful for? Um, I'm grateful for breath. If I can, so if we can start there, I mean, I in my practice, I actually get people to uh, go beyond gratitude and instead go into what's something that actually turns you on or excites you. 
because the whole principle of gratitude, sometimes it can activate a sensation that something's being given to us. And then therefore, if we're not grateful, it can be taken from us. But the spiritual truth is, is that you actually created it for yourself anyway. So it sort of creates a paradox, right? Whereas if you're aware of what you've already created, then you wouldn't look at it in gratefulness. You'd look at it in like awe. So if we shift it towards awe, then you can feel within you that sort of different perspective where it's more so like, ooh, yeah, I did that. And then you awaken more of your creator. So it, it, in the sense of the awe, it's like, it's already here. It's already mine. There's nothing to lose. I'm just literally in awe of this. Yeah. yeah. Like, wow, look at what I did. And then, wow, what am I going to do next? <laughs> this is amazing. I, I, I really do. I love gratitude. And I've, I've, it's come up a few times now recently where I've been talking to people and it shifted my perspective and sense of gratitude a little bit. And new perspectives are always amazing. It's kind of crazy, Todd. I'll have these moments because I've realized in myself, I've started to identify myself as gratitude, as someone who mm -hmm. practices gratitude, as someone who, who's really grateful. Um, and then, you know, when I have these shifts, like I literally had one like a month ago talking to a friend and it opened up gratitude in a different way for me. And I literally felt myself start to like crumble a little bit. I was like, oh my gosh, that's such a different sense of gratitude. I identify so much with that. Now what's happening? Who am I? Um, but it was a really beautiful moment because for me, I realized that in myself that I was identifying as gratitude and I was letting that be who I am with this very solid belief of what it is. Uh, so it's yeah. always great to get these new perspectives, get these new ideas on it uh, and allow myself to kind of flow you know, with it and shift with it and not be so rigid on, on what I think it is. Absolutely. And also that sort of sensation is really the difference between whether it's the mind, the ego self holding onto and assuming that it's got the full picture, whereas the soul is a being that constantly consumes more data to expand. So there is no limit to what you will come to know of one thing coming from things from the lens of the soul. But the mind, on the other hand, is always accumulating things so that it can create limits or barriers. So therefore it understands it fully. So you experienced your ego being shattered because its perception had reached its limit. Exactly. It was something totally different than what I thought that it was in this conversation with a friend. And it it was so, it, it was very bizarre. I really felt myself internally like kind of crashing down. Uh, but yeah. luckily, in that crashing down, I realized I was very aware that that was happening, and I quickly identified uh, and realized that I was identifying myself as gratitude. Awesome. Um, well done. <laughs> Thanks. I think those crumbling points are the best points because you really have like reached a, a, like a limiting barrier at that point. If you push through it, then that's where real expansion happens. I was just, and I really felt the expansion after that. You know, yeah. just the, my, literally my knowledge, my soul, my being expanding. Um, and taking in new information, right? Because when we think that we know what it is, our ego pops in and is like, this is it. There's nothing else. Our expansion stops. There's nowhere really for us to go. And I felt me yeah. break through that barrier. Yeah. Well um, done. Leveling up. <laughs> you know, and the crazy thing is too, I was like, oh, I, I, I have this great grasp on gratitude. I am really doing it. You know what I mean? <laughs> They're usually the moments when that happens, because that's even our self-recognizing that we think we've accomplished something, which is always our ego anyway. So you, you really led yourself right to that point where you could then tip yourself over the edge to like break free of that again. Yes, totally. And how can we, so I love the idea of like, awe. Oh, so how can I, how can I practice maybe instead of gratitude, 
as I say that, though, it's hard for me to even let go of that. You know what I mean? For me to be like, okay, I'm going to move away from gratitude. I'm just going to do awe. So maybe it'll be a, a little bit of a transition over. But how can we practice that feeling, that vibration of awe? Okay, so the easiest thing is take a moment, close your eyes right now. In your mind's eye, have a look at the moment that you've created for yourself right now. What is the thing in this moment that's like, wow, I did that. Focus on that thing. That is the thing. Let that thing activate that sensation of like, wow, I didn't even need to think about how to piece all of these things together, yet these things piece them all together. And I know that I did it because I was part of all of it because I created all of it. And isn't that amazing to feel into the fact that I'm multidimensional and beyond this point that I understand in this moment in time? And isn't it amazing also that more of these things are just going to continue to flow to me and I don't even need to fully be aware of them. I just know that they're already happening. They're already done. And isn't it amazing that as I do this, I feel more of this current of flow and I become more of myself in each and every time, each and every moment that I allow it to be. And isn't it amazing that I'm recognizing that I'm more of a soul and not this character that I believe myself to be. And as I step more and more away from this character and more into the soul, I can feel myself becoming more of what I ultimately am. Big deep breath in and out. So I feel like what I kind of took from that is, is, is like, is a knowing, right? So whatever I want to achieve and become knowing that I already am that there's nothing outside of myself. I, I literally already am. Is there in a sense, like there's, what you're, what you're lacking to find words for is what energy is because we learn how to eventually translate energetic sensorial experiences when our mind can translate them. So you're looking for words there because you're experiencing a sensation or state that's outside of description just yet. And so give that a moment and then you'll learn to put it all together in words that you can explain. But what you're experiencing there is you've now caught ahead of your mind. And now your mind will try and catch up and then eventually it will mutate and adapt and try to think that it knows everything about that too. And then you'll leap ahead again in the same process will occur. There's been so many times where I really will have that like profound thought, that knowing, um, that like universal truth. And it is hard to explain. And I never really knew why it was so hard to explain. Yeah. 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 And that's the thing. When we understand that, like, for example, the soul doesn't speak in words, we learn to translate it sometimes through imagery, sometimes through words, sometimes through emotions or feelings, but it's still humanizing the impulse or the energetic frequency of whatever the soul is translating. So we get some people are better at that translation, ergo psychics, uh, and other people are learning to do that. But that, that's essentially what you're learning right there. You're feeling the energetic impulse of whatever that experience is, and now you're learning to contextualize it in a human format. Amazing. Todd, I mean, obviously, you know, you're very well known in the space. Uh, you've done very well. You're really successful. How did you get here? Were you always on this path? Were you always very spiritual? Uh, or did this, I mean, you know, just kind of gradually happen over time? Were you on the complete opposite end of it at one point? What did that journey look like for you? Um, it was, I don't know if it's a unique journey. I don't think it's that unique. I'm sure a lot of people do a similar sort of thing, but I was raised in a Pentecostal church very back then, cause this was a long time ago now, um, very rigid, very judgmental, very critical things, are evil things are good, very literal in terms of the Bible. So hellfire brimstone, but then also miracles and gifts of the spirit and all that sort of stuff as well. Um, but I would always have dreams given by my higher self and my guides about 
my past lives, you know, being a witch, being a wizard, being this, that, and all things pagan and magical and even Taoist and Eastern mysticism as well. And so I was really, really bored by that point of what I was learning in the church. And that boredom just like got more and more monotonous. And for a Gemini, which is what I am, that is the most debilitating sensation, just being bored and forced to have to listen to something that does not resonate with you whatsoever. And of course, sure, it resonates with other people. It certainly didn't resonate with me at that point. And so then I eventually moved myself away from where I was and I moved back to where I was originally raised separate from my family and I just opened myself up to the universe and I said okay show me whatever you want to show me and I also had a lot of preconceived notions about what it would be like to even be in the pagan world because there was very limited sort of exposure back then and especially where I was from as well so the perception was like that means I'm gonna have to walk around with a crushed velvet cape and I'm going to have to smell like patchouli. And I'm like, I don't really want that either. So I don't know where I fit in all of this. And then I started meeting all of these people that weren't like that and were very normal, quote unquote. So like I met this girl and we became very good friends um, or one of my best friends. And uh, she was born in, um, I can't even remember where she was born, in Eastern Europe, but had been studying or using or playing with tarot since she was like seven years old. And she was studying urban planning. So she had feet firmly in sort of both worlds. And we started uh, playing around with like magic and energy and learning different things together. And then we drew in other friends as well. So it was really just like this space of play for me. And I never thought I was going to be doing it for anyone else. I didn't, when I was in the church, they prophesied over me that I would, I had the gift of prophecy or the word of God. Um, so essentially it's the same as being psychic. Um, so, but I, I didn't translate that then as being psychic. So I never thought that I was going to be like doing it in the larger perspective for people. I just thought that sometimes I had strong opinions and I just like was a little bit of a know-it-all because that's clear cognizance is the gift of knowing. Um, so it can just seem like you just know stuff as opposed to, I just received a vision and you're going to be walking through blah, 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 blah. It's not that grandiose for me. Sometimes I'll have visions, but it's more clear cognizance. Um, and so I received my first deck of cards and then I started using them and people asked me what I thought or felt about things and I would answer that. And it sort of just like continued from that point. But still then I was studying, I studied fashion, I was going to do fashion styling. I then was still going to go and I did go into advertising. I was working in that world for a while. I was never thinking that I was doing this as a job. Um, but the universe kept on shutting down all of these sort of different avenues. And at one point I was like, okay, I've learned this stuff. I've learned this stuff. Why don't I combine the two? So I was going to basically do image management with like energetic management, if you will. So fixing the inside and fixing the outside combined as a sort of dual experience. And it sounds like a great idea. No one was doing it back then didn't work. And it was all because I recognized that, that I was essentially hiding in another way. It was cool to make fashion be the cool bit about the spiritual stuff, as opposed to, no, you just have to like come out as being spiritual. And so I eventually did that. Then from there, it, it like it wasn't fast. There were quick elements to what unfolded. Like it didn't take, 
I was pretty clear that I needed to get on morning shows, t- like morning show TV style in Australia. Um, that sort of all unfolded step by step. It's been like a long time of just consistent and diligent preparation and effort. Um, but yeah, at the beginning, I didn't think I was going to be doing it for anyone else. It was just because it was my passion for learning mystical things that sort of drew me towards that. And then of course I left Australia, went to London. Um, that was a real preparation place for me. It wasn't really much external energy. And then from there went to New York and now LA and now I've been here for like eight and a half years. So, wow. it's just, I, I love hearing the stories of where people came from the journey, how they got here. Because, you know, knowing, uh, you know, who you are and, and your teachings and things like that, I, you, a lot of times I assume with people like you, it's like you've been doing this forever. And every single time I ask the person the question, they've never been doing it forever. <laughs> and a lot of times I started in, in another religious aspect, which didn't resonate with them, which then created, you know, the expansion in the other direction for them to go and then for them to really understand and, and live their truth. Um, and that's something for me too. I've talked about it on the podcast before, but I was born Catholic. I went to Catholic elementary school, Catholic high school. And when I was younger, I thought I was going to be a priest, like for sure. And a priest, because I felt that in me to want to guide and help people and be there for them and support them. Uh, and I saw myself like, you know, like being on the altar and being the one to like deliver these messages. And then as time went on, uh, it really happened more in like high school where I started to move away from the Catholic church that just completely went away. I was like, I'm never going to be a priest. And to be honest with you also not being able to have sex. Once I got a little bit older and realized that I was like, nah, I don't know if this is for me either. And there were just little things more and more that just kind of pushed me away from it. And then there was a period of time where there was just, it was nothing, you know, I wasn't Catholic. I wasn't spiritual. There was just nothing. And I always felt weird when people asked me, they're like, Oh, so what do you believe in? And I was like, I don't really know. But Looking back at that now, that was okay for me not to know. Of course it was. Absolutely. Yeah. But at the time, on, it was like, yeah. On, on the mystical path, it's like the, the traditional mystical path that was originally given by a master to student only orally, never written. Um, it was actually preferred that the student came from an organized religion because when they then learned and left that, then they you, you learn the capacity to learn the intangible in a functional framework in organized religion. So it actually helps you on the mystical path because you have an understanding about how to apply this internally in terms of how to learn it. Got it. Interesting. I never, ever, well, I thought about it that way at all. Um, you know, and it's been, uh, you know, I, I was lost for a little while and saying lost, like I wasn't even lost. I was just, I was just being me. You know what I mean? I didn't know which direction I was you going were journeying. in. journeying. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But really at the time I was like, I felt so insecure about it. I felt like, like people were judging me for not picking something. So people were like, oh, are you an atheist? And I'm like, I don't think so. I don't, you know, I was like, I don't know. Uh, and then as time went on, literally like love came into my heart and just opened me up. Um, and through that love, I found meditation and I found yoga um, and all of these different spiritual teachings. Like, you know, I would watch, I watched like Heal on Netflix and I discovered Dr. Joe Dispenza and they just kept taking me on these different, you know, these different pathways. And uh, it, it's fun to take that journey kind of on your own because you're really realizing what resonates with you and you're able to move in that direction. There's nothing holding you back. There's no one telling you, no, that's a sin. You shouldn't do that. I was able just to go and maneuver in the direction that I felt like I was being drawn to and that I felt naturally like a flowing energy towards. 
And that literally is all you're asked for being on earth, that exact description of experience. Wow. And Todd, I want to ask you too, man, I, like, you know, I was checking out your website, your Instagram, all those things. For people listening right now, because you've already given such crucial, I think, amazing uh, content and information already, what are some of the practices, what are some of the, the teachings that people can expect from you if they were to work with you? Um, so when people work with me, a lot of clients describe it kind of like seeing a psychologist who's a psychic. So all of my sessions are very cognitively based in terms of we really identify patterns, themes, elements of behavior. Uh, and what we want to do is look at it through the lens of everything can be improved and everything can be transformed into something higher. So, of course, there are elements of predictions and reading energy, but I don't believe that how things are is fatalistic. I instead believe that everything is always to a point of if we align you with your soul, with that part of you that's truer, then we can improve everything in your life. Because once you come into alignment with yourself, there's no way that everything physically won't improve as well. So my work is, I call it soulcology, the psychology of the soul, which is essentially exercises or techniques to get you into your soul as quickly as possible. And then that's the thing that transforms your life on an external component as well. Right. It's always on the inside. Right. It's because no, that's all that really exists. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so true. Right. It's literally never, ever, ever, ever anything outside of ourselves. Because for the longest time, I really thought it was everything out there. It's like, well, this situation happened. So of course I'm going to react this way. There's no other way for me to act. Yeah. Of course we would, because it, it's so tantalizing to want to react in that way. Everything around you is stimulating everything that it was meant to do, which is distract you into the illusion. And the illusion's there on purpose. How do you mean? It's planned. All of this is organized and planned. It's a simulation created by the higher energy so that we can dip in and dip out to practice and explore what it's like to experience this density. So there's nothing wrong here, although from the lens of our human perceived judgment and social constructs, things are wrong and right. But in essence, if you're a soul, which you are from a higher state, nothing here can actually hurt you. So everything here is fair game and everything's just play. Even the negative experiences that feel terrible, it doesn't affect your soul. Your soul is watching you play it out and you can align into a higher state of flowing through it. But nothing here is terrorizing or terrifying your soul. So therefore, it, it, it planned it. It wanted you to feel like what it would feel like to journey through it and to see how you would find your way back to connection or if you would flow into deeper density. But your soul has all sort of safeguards to lead you back to connection. That's what I think about a lot is like where we came down into this, like you said, very dense 3D world to experience things. Um, and I forget what book or teacher I, uh, I heard this from, but do you feel like our purpose of being here is for expansion, right? Like our, uh, us being here, choosing our higher self in moments, creates an expansion of ourselves, but then just aids into the expansion of the universe. Yeah, essentially, yeah. We come here all for the same thing. And this is what a lot of people come to me with complications in terms of how they wrap themselves up. Um, they get fed this notion because it's very romanticized. You're here to help the world. It sounds so useful and it sounds so validating and it sounds so right. 
but it's the furthest thing from the truth. You don't need to help the world. What you're meant to do is to come here to remember who you are. Mm. And in remembering who you are, you become more of what we call love, which because love is everything connection, which is really what the soul is. Love, soul, interchangeable as a concept. When you become more of the soul, you become love. Therefore, that energy is higher in terms of frequency than denser energy. So you then contribute to raising energy in the experience. But your job and the only job you can do is focusing on doing that evolutionary work internally. So when you're focusing on that notion that you're here to like fulfill your purpose and help the world, you're actually looking externally and then you're getting distracted from doing the internal awakening. And then therefore you become attached to the expectation and also the pressure that you somehow are either failing yourself, failing your purpose, or you're simply not doing anything in general because you can't put together the pieces, but you're really trying. And it's all because the answer has to come from within. And in, in huh, so like not our purpose of being here, but do you think in, in being here, it really is connecting to our higher self, which is love and emulating love, kindness, empathy, forgiveness, all of these things literally is often Self-love first. Yes, Self-love yes. first. I agree. Because the, the issue there is that people then overvalue um, compassion, caring, like love, unconditional love, and all of those things sound nice again, but you truly can't unconditionally love anyone in this dense space unless you are like an avatar. The reason being is because you're meant to be the experience of a human right now, meaning that you're meant to understand boundaries because that's a reflection of self-love. You're also meant to understand where to operate and how to modulate how much you give and how much you don't give based on a reflection of where you're at within yourself as well. These are very crucial, important lessons of journeying towards becoming more of myself. Because if I really see and accept and understand that I am the fullness of myself, that means that I'm not needing to overgive or be something else for you. Because that is the old notion of, I'm going to be very good to you, even though you're an asshole to me. And then hopefully you're going to heal. Then I've created value in myself and my behavior. So that's the trap, right? But when you are really, essentially the practice then becomes focusing on who you are and what you are and finding fulfillment in a room by yourself and then venturing out into the world. If you've understood and created a full picture of yourself, then if someone comes to you with a lesser than energy, a denser experience, crossing your boundaries, then this isn't about acting pious or acting charitable. This is about saying, no, you've crossed a boundary there and that's unacceptable for me because it doesn't reflect the same self-love that I hold within myself. So that's also part of that practice as well. And then also we need to remember that your soul planned all of these things. It also planned with that soul coming over and attempting to crush your boundaries. So there's nothing wrong or right in that. It's just what was planned. And the reason for it is because in that moment, I get to choose myself again or I choose you. And the two then create either imbalance or a greater reconnection towards harmony. I literally, the podcast episode that came out yesterday was me talking about a situation like this. Because I was with my, uh, I didn't mention this on that podcast, but I'll mention it here. I was with my dad the other day. Uh, and he was saying he was at a store uh, and the person, you know, the clerk or whatever was like acting nice to him. But then all of a sudden they started to act a little rude or nasty. So he got all up, uppity, you know, uh, chest out saying, you know what? So I acted nasty right back towards them, of course. And like, 
and I talked about this in episode two, and I used to be this way too. There's like a proudness to this, to be like, I'm not going to let that person talk to me. Yeah, you're going to be nasty to me. Watch how mean I can be back to you. And so I would love, and it's amazing you touched on this because I would love just a little more clarification. So I guess my idea in that situation, right, is my idea in that situation is to not allow that person to dictate who I am, right? So if that person is nasty, I'm not going to say, okay, well, I'm nasty because essentially that person is my master. They, they are controlling who I am. It's not me in control. It's not me, you know, harnessing and zoning into myself and my soul. I'm basing my reaction off of how you treated me. And in that same thought and theory, my idea has been, you know, I'm not here to heal you or cure you. I'm here just to be myself. I'm here to be my truth, which is love. So in that moment, no, I'm not going to act nasty or rude back to you. I, I'm, I'm going to stay true to myself and be love with no attachment to how you are going to act now in the situation. Yeah, and yeah, that's very true. And then also sometimes I push it a little bit further with people and then we look at it in the individual. Some people come here needing to learn how to back down and calm down a little bit more. Some people who have the opposite lesson, which is basically they're too used to bending over and to letting people steamroll them, then we sort of play it by the rule of try what you usually wouldn't do and find the balance in between. So if you are the person that always gets pushed over, at some point, you're going to have to learn what it's like to actually go too far the other side, which might be turning around to that clerk and being like, excuse me, is there a reason why you're being rude to me right now? And then feeling how that resonates or doesn't resonate internally, and then finding the in-between. Because you can't know the mastery of the full experience if you've only played at one side of it, because you don't really see the full picture of how it feels within you. And by the principle that you came here to explore all of those things and how they resonate, that's the lens to do it from. And if we're coming from still that perspective of, I'm a soul, I'm full, and I'm going by my own boundaries, and I'm standing for myself, that's where we can still stay in connection. If we're out of connection, that's when people go into density, which is where if we're not in love, in soul, then you must destroy. So that's how people then end up doing acts of violence and all manner of other things. But by still being in connection with the soul, there is still that space where you can be like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, I told him he was being rude, and I told him to shut up. And there's nothing wrong with that. And of course, we don't judge it. We don't label it anything other than how did it feel within? Did I feel in resonance? Did I not feel in resonance? How do you think I will reply next time if that happens? It doesn't need to happen, but if it does, let me sense that out. Uh, see, I've been on the total opposite side of it. I used to have a crazy temper where in a situation like that, like the one I kind of gave, I would have been nasty or rude back to that person. And I would have went and told somebody the next day, like, look what I did. Yeah. So I experienced, and that's so brilliant. You said I that won. I, <laughs> yeah. Uh, there is such like a proudness to it. And, and now, you know, not being on that side anymore, looking at it from this perspective, I'm like, it kind of blows my mind. I'm like, how is there a proudness there? But, you know, in my... Ego. Yeah, yeah. Because you got to remember that ego space, it, it, it's there specifically on purpose. And originally it was there to protect you from dinosaurs. Yep. There are no dinosaurs coming for you, right? So there's no physical thing that's literally threatening your life. In the absence of that, then it becomes words or infringing on your respect. Mm -hmm. And so that it's basically creating the element of survival, fight or flight. 
And in that, historically for you, it's been, it's going to be fights. And then I've won. I survived that as if it was you literally getting attacked by some sort of saber-toothed tiger and you winning. So that's where the pride comes from because your ego is like, we survived a dangerous attack. But in truth, all it was was that because that's all there is to mimic it now. Mm. You know, going that far to the other side uh, with a temper, like you mentioned before, I realized it didn't resonate with me. It never, ever, Mm -hmm. ever felt good. Like, I think it was like a false idea, like the false ego telling me this is great, but I never felt good. My vibration, my energy, it never, it always felt very frazzled and erratic. Um, and yeah. honestly, I'm, I'm grateful. Oh, huh. <laughs> am I in office or am I grateful? I'm still, I'm going to figure it out. But I'm, uh, you know, you can be grateful about- to yourself, I guess. But I think it's more so, like I said, push yourself into the awe space and be like, wow, isn't it amazing that that's how I let myself learn? Yes. And so to me, they kind of like mix over each other because in my gratitude, a lot of the times there is awe. There is like just yeah. this higher feeling and sensation of like, yes, like this is where I am. This is amazing. And I'm grateful in awe that I used to have a crazy temper because it showed me so much of who I don't want to be and how I don't want to show up in the world. And I, yep. I truly think if I never went that far, I wouldn't have slingshotted this far in the other direction. Absolutely. The more intense that the physical experience is in whichever way it manifests, and the more you let yourself have that intensity of experience, then that means that you can give, you create a space where you're going to experience the extreme opposite of it. So if people refuse to let themselves feel the intensity of whatever is going on, because they come from a place of everything must be contained, everything must be lower down, be quiet, be minimize yourself, minimize yourself. It's better in essence that you let yourself experience that because you've created that container or that expansive space where you can experience the opposite of it. Do you think because, um, and I've thought about this a lot too, how far we go in one direction, does that give us the ability to go that far in the other direction? Absolutely. Hmm. But that's but that's not that's not to limit it in the other way opposite. But you really you create a space where it then is automatically possible. If you sort of consider that there's always this sort of like invisible boundary, and every time you push it, you push what then is possible for yourself to experience. We're always finding the limits of what we believe or the mind perceives. And then we're wanting, because the soul is always about expansion, the soul is creating experiences to push beyond that. Then the question then becomes, are we letting the soul do what it's doing? Or do we let our mind dictate what's possible or impossible? Mm. I um, love that you just talked about uh, being limited because one of your posts, um, you wrote in quotes, you live by your limit or your belief. Are you limited or limitless? Mm. How can everyone listening, myself included, how can we live more limitless and not be so limited? I think the most important place to start is to firstly come to realize that everything that you've been taught about yourself probably is wrong. And probably in that same thread, it is by default limited. So everything that you've come to understand about what is possible, even when if we look at science, for example, science is the science of what it has come to learn to be possible within the tools that it has available today. Science then, therefore, expands by creating new tools to then discover new things. Mm -hmm. So 
if we think that we are limited based upon what scientific knowledge is, and scientists even know this, you know what I mean? This isn't like some strange wooey thing to believe. Scientists still discovering things. So therefore, if we clock in or check in with what we're telling ourselves, and then it becomes, well, you know, I'm a this and this is what I do, and this is pretty much all that I'm going to experience in the day, that becomes reality. When I wake up in the morning, if I look at my calendar and then it becomes, well, that's what today is, we've limited the day to be that thing, as opposed to waking up in the morning and being like, oh, I wonder what my soul is going to be creating for me today, and then getting on with the day. We want to always feel into where there is a limit, being conscious or unconscious, and then engage with that, that space of, I don't know what's going to fully happen, and that's exciting. I don't know how this is going to unfold, and I'm looking forward to exploring it. Not the place which is, I'm terrified because I don't know what's going on, because in truth, you should never really know what's going on. You're just assuming you know anyway. But finding that limit wherever it is, and then letting yourself come back to that perspective of, I don't know, there could be way more than what I even imagined. And letting yourself play with that space of, there is more. I don't need to know what it is, but I can play with it. Let me expand. Let me let me sort of create the expansiveness surrounding it. And a lot of times people get caught up into this concept of like uh, in, in my deck. So I've created my own deck of cards and I use those in readings with people. Um, the card that comes up is soul searching. And when this card comes up, I explain to people that you're in a period where it feels like you're looking for answers. But what the card really is all about is what you're doing is posing questions. And the answer isn't the important thing. The question then creates limitless possibilities to it. So instead of feeling like you're lacking looking for completion of an answer, instead flip it towards ask an open question. What could happen next? What could I do next? What would I be interested in trying next? Who's about to enter my life? The more that you create the space of expansion, the more that you will experience that versus the opposite. It's wild. Even as like you asked the question, like, like what can happen today that maybe I didn't expect? I, I can literally feel it inside of me open up and expand and like literally the universe yep. expand in its infinite possibilities. Yep. And the universe is just waiting there for you. Yeah. It's either you're there because you've limited it based on what your mind is saying because your mind wants to control everything because it's scared of everything, or you pose the question and you sort of feel that expansive space because now the lens of your awareness has literally ventured out even further. It's for the past like week, I'm a huge fan of Abraham Hicks and she was talking about mm-hmm. this in one of her books. And uh, for the past... <laughs> I, like the fact that you mentioned this right now, it makes me be like, this is it. I'm going to continue to do this. I've been waking up every morning, literally, as soon as I get up and make literally like today's going to be a great day. What can happen today that I'm not even expecting? You know what I mean? And I'll think about maybe one or two things I have going on that day. And I just quickly imagine them going in the best way possible, like exceeding my expectations, going somewhere that literally I'm not even expecting in that moment and just being open to receiving whatever may happen. Yep. And as I've literally done that, little magical miracles have been popping up. And it's all based on essentially that practice. And that's what we do within my practice as well, is the aim is to give up control to your soul. 
because you aren't really your soul, but you're learning how to be more of your soul. But what we're doing is giving up power to what we really are, which is love. And because the soul is constantly expanding, if you weren't expanding and you were done expanding, you'd die and create a new character so you could experience more. But if you are here, you by default are in alignment with expansion. We cross that or we block that when we listen to what the mind is wanting, which is the mind is terrified by expansion because it hasn't planned it. So feeling into and reminding what you're doing there, the thoughts or the words aren't the important thing. It's the feeling that then it activates because it's the feeling space. It's that same thing originally where I got you to feel something different. You didn't have words for it yet. The feeling point was the important thing because that's the energetics of the fabric. Abraham talks about that all the time. It's like, it's not, you know, your thoughts can create your feelings and she's very like thought-based and creating a reality. She's like, yep. the universe responds to, like, I could be saying I'm abundant, I'm abundant, I'm abundant. But if I'm feeling not abundant and I'm feeling low and I'm feeling just poor or whatever it may be, then that is the energy that I'm emitting out into the universe. And that's what I'm going to attract back to me. Yeah. And that's that, that's why I say to people, they're like, oh, what do you think about positive affirmations? And I say, well, they're positive lies. If you're telling yourself that you are a millionaire and you're looking in the mirror and you see that you are dirt poor, you don't believe it. You're mm -hmm. trying to lie to yourself to believe something opposite. In truth, what you'd be better off doing is look at something that you know to be true that is also beneficial. So even if you avoid looking at the topic or the theme of money, because whatever you're trying to make happen, you're probably already too attached to anyway. So you need to learn how to remove attachment and then look at something different. So you'd want to then look at something else and be like, wow, the sky is blue and that's awesome. That is a better frequency of awareness than trying to wrestle your way through whatever you're fighting with in general, simply because it awakened a better feeling space. When you're in a better feeling space, then it's easier to look back at other stuff and to naturally find your flow. But that's why people find law of attraction so complicated, because they are starting off with the thing that they have created the most complication surrounding. And they're trying to lie to themselves when in truth, they know that it doesn't exist. They're like, I have an amazing relationship right now, even though they're like, I don't have a really amazing relationship right now. I'm lonely and it's really hard to meet people and everyone on dating apps is annoying. So all of that's going on at the same time while they're there enthusiastically, but also desperately trying to use law of attraction slash positive affirmations to convince themselves otherwise. So it's better and it's more truthful to just observe things are better and to gradually lead yourself there. Yes. I mean, Abraham is great at this too, right? She'll mention that about not lying to yourself. Like you, you, you need to believe what you're saying because again, yeah. we're in the feelings universe. It doesn't work unless you do. So in a situation of maybe someone being lonely and a dating app's not working, you could be like, well, I'm excited for the possibility of meeting someone out there. I know that I am worthy of love. And like kind of saying things like that to help raise your vibration to then maybe get to a point of something that I'm going to meet the love of my life or something that you really do want, but like taking those kind of steps, raising your vibration till you get to that point of that statement where you actually do believe it then. Yeah. It's like leading yourself through the maze with a piece of cheese. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Those statements are about guiding you past your resistance to something that then is open, but you also believe it to be true because you led yourself through the maze. Yes.
Uh, and I want to ask you really quickly too about ego. Do we, because Todd, I'll, I'll say there was a, a period of time once I really grasped the concept of ego and how that's not who I truly am. Uh, there were moments of like me, I don't want to say hating ego, but really thinking it was negative and bad and something I wanted nothing to do with. And then my brother, I was talking to him one day and he kind of opened my mind. He's like, we need our ego. He's like, your ego keeps you from walking into the middle of the street and getting killed. You know what I mean? So like, the, it's like, I guess a balance. So I would just love to hear your perspective on maybe having a more positive relationship with our ego. Uh, and if it is something that we actually do truly need, even though we know that's not the truth of who we are. So back to that concept that we were talking about earlier, you come here with a plan by your soul. Your soul sits in spirit with your spirit guides and all of your soulmates can be friends, family, lovers, enemies. They create the most prominent experiences and you write it into soul contracts or soul agreements as we call them. And that's what you manifest your life as, right? So think of your ego not being ego, but think of it being your character, your persona in this lifetime. And it's at its most human form. So ego in itself is simply the character that you're choosing to experience life through. So as you walk down the journey of awakening, you become more expansive in how you perceive yourself until eventually you're able to recognize that you're really a soul just wearing this mask. And that's play. We want to be in this space where we are playing with this experience as opposed to this experience playing us. And so that's why we have ego because we're meant to, because that's why we came here to experience the character. But because the term ego sounds a lot like egotistical, that's why it's created this sort of negative connotation. And in a lot of the space of new age stuff, it then is sort of associated with darkness or negative traits. It's not that either. Your ego or your persona is also the thing that has sort of crafted, or it's the thing that is you that enjoys having these conversations and doing this podcast. That's all part of the ego. It's the character. It's the persona. Of course, everything has a negative and positive sort of aspect to it. And we can see negative aspects in our persona that we can consciously choose to not let rule us or um, be the thing that evokes the most reaction. But similarly, we have uh, positive aspects to our persona or our ego that we enjoy very much because otherwise we wouldn't be here because there would be no usefulness and also there wouldn't be any playfulness in it. Do you feel like, uh, you, you kind of just mentioned this a second ago, but we're here to enjoy, to find joy, to not take things so seriously, to just play and have fun? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, the thing is, is that we are always going to find things that will trigger us because that's also a heightened sense of experience. But by default, we're meant to remind ourselves that this is literally a simulation. Our soul is here playing in this framework of energetic experience. We are still a soul having this experience. We get drawn into it too much when we slide away from that truth and we get more so into the sort of intensity of all of this mattering. There's a paradox that I use a lot, which is everything matters and nothing's important and nothing matters and everything's, uh, sorry, nothing matters and everything's important. It's basically the meaning that things don't really matter for what you assume them to be, but they're important in ways that your mind isn't telling you. So what it means is from the soul's perspective, everything here matters. But what that means to the mind is 
everything here is so important because if I don't have a relationship with this person, then I'm losing out on something and I'm missing something. If I don't get this job promotion, then everything's going to be wrong. I'm not going to be living up to my potential. That's not what the soul is saying. The soul is saying all of this matters because I'm witnessing and feeling and perceiving all of these different nuanced physical experiences that we don't get on the other side. All of that's important. But because there's a language disconnect between the soul and the mind, it translates as I need to focus on all of this being so important and I've got such limited time here. So, of course, I need to make sure all my days matter. Why wouldn't I? I'm here to help the world and all that other sort of stuff. So playing with that paradox of what we think matters and why is super important. My card for today is being far too serious. And the prompt is in that, what are you letting yourself, your ego, your mind tell you is so important that it's translating into being super serious and then laugh at yourself and breathe and then reorient surrounding it. Because I'll go back and forth a lot where I'm like, nothing matters. Like we're here to enjoy mm-hmm. and have fun. It's like one, when I die, I don't ever die. Right. So if, if we're not afraid of death if we know that death isn't real, we never actually die. Then what, what is there not to have fun about here? And then I'll, I'll also have the idea too, but I'm like, this stuff matters to Justin right now. You know what I mean? I'm like this character of who I am, Justin in this lifetime, that shit, that stuff kind of matters. You know, so it's just kind of playing with that and going back and forth and like not not caring. Not it's not that not caring. It's just it's being more in flow with things and allowing things to to play out as they play out and not being so attached to any sort of an outcome. And when things go quote unquote negative, not seeing them in that way, yep. just seeing them as neutral. And it's me yep. who my my mind, my perspective creates it to be negative or positive. And then but then I really go back, then I'll go back about it. I'm like, but for Justin, like if you know a, a parent of mine died or something happened or anything, I'm like, that matters a lot to me here, but I understand in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter. So it's like still in my own journey, trying to really balance, balance that out. And even that's a perfect uh, um, example where you're talking about a parent dying. And what we're saying here is that you are going to feel the human experience of the loss because you came here to feel the human experience of the loss, right? We're not saying to avoid the feeling of it. What we're saying in that is for you to be able to feel and honor and observe the feelings. And then eventually you'll lead yourself to a place where you're able to still have felt the feelings while also understanding that you're going to see them again. You probably already are in other places and other times, but you also love the things that you've experienced with them. But then by the ultimate truth that you're meant to be focused in the moment and nowhere else, you have to eventually bring yourself back to where am I right now and what's happening for me right now. That also means who is around me right now. And that's how we cut off depression because depression is centered in the past. Yeah. You know, and when I, um, if I've had the thought about, you know, uh, a parent um, passing away, I, like what you just said, I know that's who I should be. Of course, I'm going to feel sadness. Uh, you know, of course, I'm going to feel down about that. You know, this person is not in my life anymore. Um, so like, I, I know I'm going to have those feelings, but I'm also very aware. It's like, they didn't really die. I can connect to them whenever I am, whenever I am going to see them again. And Todd, I'm, I'm, you know, without thinking about it too much, I guess, I'm interested to see who I'm going to be in that experience. Mm. And that's like the, you know, the really interesting thing about life. It's, we may have all these thoughts and theories of who we are and who we're going to be, but like you kind of mentioned just right now too, it is the experience 
that we have to feel and be in to determine and see who I actually am going to be and how I'm going to show up in that way. And honestly, that in and of itself is the most poetic way to describe how you want to even hypothesize potential human experience. It's not about what's going to happen. It's about what am I going to experience as me in that experience? Mm. You know, and I, I, I did an episode on this too about um, it's like thought and theory versus the actual experience because I can think in every single moment, I'm this loving, kind, beautiful person. I'm connected to source. And then I go out into the world and I have a little bit of a combative experience and I scream at the person and I freak out. So it's all, I, I just, you know, and I, I think and that's beautiful too. That's <laughs> yeah. all a different experience. You know what I mean? Yeah, we, never I, go, we never want to go into self-judgment because it, yes. in and of itself, it's just, it's creating more dis, uh, misalignment. So what we want to do is kind of be like, Eh, that didn't really feel as most aligned <laughs> as I possibly could. Anyway, we move on and we go forward. If you feel like you need to apologize because they're part of your reality, you do that too. All of those things are just aiming for you to feel more in alignment with yourself. But the worst place is to belabor self-criticism mm -hmm. because or, or self-judgment as well because it's not what the soul requires. The soul still looked at that and went, fascinating. I witnessed that as well. So it doesn't really matter. There's not a, a like a, a missing opportunity for observational experience. And of course, because that's what the soul wants, the soul eats that up as well. We're just fine tuning where we are in the midst of all of that. Yeah. And as I just said that too, I'm like, well, maybe I'll go out in the world and I'll be nasty or, 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 or combative with somebody. Right now, Todd, I was like, that's not who I want to be at all. But it was me being that way before that got me to where I am right now. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I talk about, that the soul has, the soul plans for every single possible thing that you could do, right? This is the thing that people don't quite understand when they talk about fate, free will, destiny, all that sort of stuff. You have the free will to choose all of these different parts that your soul has already planned for you because you are you, you plan these things for yourself. And in each of one of those things, there is a perfect path, which is when you're in your most aligned state. And then there are variations of that equaling out to density. Density obviously being when you are as far away from connection as possible. But in each of those paths, there will be safeguard experiences where you again can reorient yourself to come back into deeper alignment. This is what the soul has planned. This is what the framework or the fabric or tapestry of fate is, which is written by you, which is your soul. And that's what truly is free will. Got it. Todd, I, I understand what you mean by this, but can you just explain this um, density? What, what, what are you referring to when you're saying, you know, when you're at your, not your highest self, when you're moving further away from source and soul, you are more dense? The more, so essentially the denser you are, the more stuck in the illusion of this experience, this physical reality. Meaning when we're super dense, we are feeling like absolute crap. We're crying on the ground because everything here is so hard. It hurts. We're lost in it. We don't have any sensation of things being more than just this. We're lost in the illusion that this is what is real. And if then therefore this is real, that's kind of terrifying sometimes, depending on the situation. As we move out of density into higher frequency, we become more aware that there is more to all of this than just this. So that's leaving density and entering eventually into a state that is, this is just a frequency and there's all of this yet to experience. 
And in the density, are we physically vibrating slower and physically becoming actually more dense? Yes. Yeah. And that's why it's hard sometimes for people to shift out of it because the more you're in it, the more you see of it. The more you see of it, the more you believe it. The more you believe it, the more you experience it, and it just goes around in circles. And I'm sure we've, I, I mean, I'll speak for myself, but I, I believe a lot of us have had this experience where we are down, we're sad, we're negative, we're depressed, and we can literally feel the denseness of, of our physical body. And then when we move towards the direction of more love, um, more understanding, more forgiveness, more acceptance, at least in myself, when I'm at that higher state of consciousness and being, I feel lighter. I literally yeah. physically feel lighter. Yep. And you miss one key thing in all of your list there optimism yeah. because it's the optimism that really or hope that kind of holds the lines that can yeah. lead us out of those things when you're feeling really heavy dark deep we really can't reach for love compassion forgiveness all of that sort of stuff the only thing that we can reach for in those moments is just a glimmer of hope and the hope might be right now i feel like eating chocolate or whatever. It doesn't really matter what it is as long as it feels a little bit better than what that was. And then from that, we follow the next thing and the next thing. So it's optimism and hope that really leads us out of those. Uh, I love that. Literally, Abraham talks about the exact same thing. Um, Todd, what are some of the things that you do daily? Some of your own self-care, some of your own self-love routines? Like, What are some things that you do that help put yourself in this state of being as often as possible that we can share with the audience that they can also do. Yeah. So I, as part of my, my exercises or techniques, um, this is the first one that I teach for people. We can do it now if you like. Um, and so, like I said, this is all to do with getting uh, in connection or in awareness of your soul. So we start by really aligning or perceiving ourselves, our human character, our ego in the most aligned state possible, because we've got to start from there and move upwards. So what I want you to do is you tell me what are five amazing words about you, whatever comes to mind. Five amazing words about me. Mm -hmm. Love, uh, happy, courageous. Uh, I want it grateful. Did I say grateful? No, you do not. Grateful and, uh, and kind. Okay. So spirit told me this exercise around about 18 years ago now, and I do it with every single client. They explained to me that the words you identify, they actually are the thing that's going to be creating the framework of your experience. They also act like kind of like fishing hooks, drawing more evidence too. So did you remember your words? Love, kind, grateful, courageous. Happy. There you go. Okay. So the most dangerous words we can say, loving, giving, generous, caring, kind, supportive, good father, good sister, good mother, good friend. And then we go into double-edged sword words, which are things like survivor, warrior. And then also we've got uh, words like loyal that sound good, but they aren't. And I'll explain why. So we'll go with you said kind, right? Hear this. I'm only amazing when I'm kind. Do you hear the trap? Yeah, that doesn't feel good at all. Exactly. So the thing is, is that what that means is that your value has become attached to who I think I need to be for people, meaning there's a, there's a projected expectation. So even words like loving, courageous is good. Um, we, I think we can do more aligned words in there. Um, but even you said love and not loving, that's abstract. 
you're not even talking about yourself. You're talking about yourself in the context of being a force, which in essence is truth. But we want to be more aware of self in this moment. So spirit would say about you, intelligent, intuitive, spiritual, curious, open. How do they feel? Those felt good. Yeah. So now what I want you to do is with this new lens of what this exercise is asking for, tell me five amazing words. Now the theme is, can I be it in a room by myself? So for example, you can't be kind in a room by yourself. It requires someone else. So can I say, when I, when I think about those words and how I responded, when I thought of them, I wasn't thinking about doing them for someone else. I was thinking about being that because that puts me at a higher state of consciousness and that puts me closer to source. So even like love, it really wasn't even our kindness. It wasn't for that person. It was for me. It was for me to be kind so I can vibrate higher. I can live my truth and be who I really am. Completely. And that's a good thing. But that's about focusing on you as being an abstract source. This is about you refining your perception of your character, which before we were talking about the concept of the ego. This is how we do it. What we want to focus on is amazing things about this persona. So I want to say, okay, I want to be intelligent. No, no, not I want to be. I am. No, I am. I'm sorry. I am. I am intelligent. I am open. Yep. I'm curious for sure. I, I still, I'm loving. I just, that's, you know, and I feel just so deep connected to that. We are love. You know what I mean? Like, you, you, yeah. you can be that. But what you want, the reason why it becomes problematic is because if you focus on you being a loving person and that being your first primary five elements of what you value about yourself, you will always attract a certain type of frequency of person that then will take advantage of that because your value is saying, my top five is I'm loving. Whereas what we want to do is recognizing, yeah, that I'm loving, but I also want to be able to see myself as a fulfilled full character separate from the outside world first. Then I go into the outside world and I've already created effective boundaries because I've seen myself as full and complete. So right, you'll so- still be loving and you'll actually be more loving because you'll be loving to yourself at the same time. But it comes from being able to perceive ourself separately in a loving whole viewpoint. Because I, I get like, that's how I, I, I look at, I'm, I'm not like, like Todd, I, I love you, man. Like for real, like I, I want, you know, being loving towards you, but being loving is because I, I know that's who I am. Absolutely. There's, there's no discord there, but what I'm saying is you should then also be able to shift your attention towards this character, this person, this ego, this one lifetime here. And I want you to be able to find five amazing things that have nothing to do with that aspect of it. I want you to be able to find all appreciation, excitement about things that are this character in a room by yourself. Things that are just and things that are my ego, my character that I'm playing right now in a room by myself and like in a vacuum. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And by you doing this, you're going to be able to find the highest perspective of your human character. And then that also means that you're going to heal any discord between being human, being ego, or being spirit. 
They are meant to merge together. You're meant to be in the highest form of your human experience. And by doing that, that means you started to master human experience, ergo enlightenment or ascension. Yes. All right. So I have intelligent, open, open, curious, unique. Mm -hmm. Now you got stuck on unique because unique is a comparative word. Everyone in essence is unique, right? So you felt the flow, but then you found a word. And when we get on a word that's out of alignment, we usually lose the next flow, right? So unwind unique and come back with something different. What about innovative? uh, Like that sounds good, but that didn't hit with me right away. Let's find one that does. Optimistic? I'm optimistic. Does that fit Um, within? The thing is with optimistic, it's kind of like happy. And there are days when you might not be as optimistic. So we don't want to set it up so that you can essentially screw yourself up later. It it wants to be something that is you that exists even in those moments that change. Creative. Uh, Talented. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, no, creative feels good. That definitely hit me. I'm like, yes. I, there, there's like something on the tip of my tongue and I'm not sure exactly what it is, but I feel like there's Describe something, it. there's something like hidden. It, it is me being up like, uh, it's hard to explain. It's like me being my own true self, me being open, my, me, like me being unique, me being unlike any, like I know, I guess that's comparative, but me it being is. unlike anything else. But that's the thing. You, you've got to also accept the fact that you are like everything else because we are the same thing. So that's still the mind trying to hook you there. But what you could do is say, I am a soul. Because in and of itself, that is the thing that you're trying to grasp for. We don't want to indulge too much of that humanness that's like, I'm unique and unlike anyone else. And I'm so different because we need to remind ourselves that we're not because we're all the same anyway. And that's how we love each other because we are all the same. We don't love everything because everything's different. We love everything because we are all connected. We can love the difference in things for sure. And we should, because that's great. But when it comes to this perception and feeling space of what is us, whenever we go into the dangerous words become things like you said, unique, but also honest, authentic, loyal, because they are always comparative. I know whenever someone says loyal, that they're having issues with their friends. And so the unique part, when you're saying that, that's your ego self, your character this lifetime. One of the things is I, 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 I value myself as doing things differently, being differently and doing all these things. And I'm, I'm like at the leading edge of everything. I'm doing things in such a unique way. And that's beautiful because that's what you understand, that your character has that written into your human experience. So there's nothing wrong or negative in that, but we can also clock there that that's the bit where eventually you'll sort of gently cradle yourself and be like, I actually don't need to be anything more extreme other than just being myself. I don't need to keep on feeling like my intrinsic value is being that unique because I already am, because I already am everything expansive. Mm. So just feeling where that's trying to get away from you and pulling it back into the center. Got it. This is a super interesting exercise that I mm-hmm. obviously very brand new to. 
honestly, everyone gets stumped on it first time usually because we're so bred as a society where you should value what your value is to other people mm-hmm. before. And if, and if you don't do that, then you're egotistical. So what it means is that people then become slaves to the opinion of other people. I like this aspect of me being these things detached from anything else, like not right. Not being connected to another person or not putting my, these things as valuable for somebody else. Cause it's so true. We, I mean, I think we, we all do that. What value am I bringing to other people or what value am I bringing to the world? And it's also like when people go, I'm a good friend. And then really what that is, is I show up so much for my friends and you know what? Sometimes they really don't show up in the same way for me, but it's okay because I know the value of being a good friend. So I'll just keep on being a good friend and then maybe I'll get some sort of reciprocal return eventually, but it's okay. Cause I'm a good friend. So I'm patient. It leads you so far away from actually focusing on your own value and it becomes this external persona created to show up for other people. And then you project that onto those friends and then you're like resentful because I'm such a good friend and why on earth aren't you seeing that I'm a good friend? And it does the exact opposite than actually you being able to be like, oh, I'm amazing. You can be wherever you are. That's cool. When we intersect, we intersect. That's amazing and cool. But I'm just like in this state of like, wow, me. Is it, as you're, is it possible to say, hey, I'm a good friend, but not be attached, have complete detachment from any sort of expectation of how they're going to be or me saying, I'm going to be a good friend in, in hopes I get this in return or just being like, hey, I'm a good friend because that's who I am and that's how I want to show up in the world with no attachment to how they're going to be towards me. I mean, the third is the more aligned, but then also we kind of don't want to think about it in general because the truth is I'm going to show up as me in this situation. And what happens in that moment is going to be the thing that dictates how that eventuates or how that manifests itself. So me being a good friend might look like a lot of different things and we all have different perceptions about what a good friend looks like. So we kind of want to steer clear from it altogether and just be like, I'm going to show up in this moment with you and I'm going to be in my most aligned state and we'll just see how that unfolds. Love that. Okay. (laughs) That was perfect. I totally, I get that because when I'm thinking about being a good friend, that's literally what I'm thinking though, is me being aligned, me being my higher self. But I totally feel and understand now the distinction between them. Because you're right, a good friend can mean a million different things, but you showing up as your highest self, that's that's what it is. And also, let's give ourselves some grace. What we're hoping there is to, my intention is to show up as my highest self. And sometimes we might be there, sometimes we might be less in there. And that's also perfect in whichever direction as well. By removing even that pressure, that also makes it easier to show up in moments as well. So I think that's important to mention too. Awesome. Thank you, buddy. And Todd, uh, before we cut out, I want to ask you the question I ask every single guest. And you are doing it, man. You are really doing it. But it's always great just to hear um, the guest response. So, see, so now based on this conversation has me thinking about rewording this differently, Todd, because there's a lot of times I say like my goal or my purpose here. And something I'm doing here in this version of Justin uh, on this earth at this time is helping shift the collective consciousness of the planet to be in a place that is more loving, more kind, peaceful, empathetic, 
one that is more joy-filled, one that really truly understands our oneness. Uh, so how do you feel like every single day you are helping contribute to this sort of a shift in consciousness? I'm bringing back truths of what the soul is and how we connect with the soul and how we return to being what we really are. So simple, so few words, and so perfect. <laughs> Thank you. Because <laughs> uh, I feel like as you said that, really so few words, but I'm like, that is, that's, that's it. That's, that's, really, that's really it. <laughs> Oh, man, thank you and so that's much. That's coming from someone that loves a lot of words, so it's good that I can distill it down to fewer. Right? How amazing can it be when we like? Some, right? I'll have all. I'll have this big buildup of thoughts, but when you can condense it down to something very concise and very, very much to the point, that's easy for people to understand and digest. I feel like that is like the clearest way uh, to convey that sort of a thought. And what you said is a huge thing, but put down into a few words, which is uh, I feel like again like the best way to break that down and to make that clear. Todd, I. I really enjoyed this so, so much. There is such Thank a, you. of course, man, there's such a- Likewise. Good, I'm glad, I'm glad. There is such a clarity to you. Um, I don't know, to explain that, there's just like, it's a simplicity. There, like in the words that you're speaking, they don't seem difficult. They don't seem like this big, huge thing. It's very simple. And Abraham talks about this all the time, clarity. And I feel like there's such a deep clarity to you, your understanding, your teachings, and the words that you speak. So thank you so much for taking thank the you. time yeah, to bring that here. My pleasure. Of course. And Todd, right before we um, hop off, can you please let people know where they can find you on social media, online, and how people can reach out to you uh, if they'd like to work with you? Absolutely. So website is toddsavvas.com, T-O-D-D-S-A-V-V-A-S.com. And that's all of my social handles as well. On Instagram every day, I post three cards and essentially an energetic message of the day, um, kind of like a little bit of a, a, an observation of the current that we all share. And people read that um, and then hit up my website. You can see the different services I offer. Perfect. Todd, again, I'm so honored in awe and grateful for you to be here uh, and just really share this space. This conversation helped me tremendously uh, and I just hope it did the same for all the listeners. So, so thank you so much. You're also welcome. Thank you for having me. Of course, everybody. We love you so much. Hope this episode really helped open your mind. Definitely check out Todd online. Can't wait to see you next time. Be well and much love to you. Thanks, Todd. Thank you.